Who has seen this billboard? Yeah. 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 I love that. I understand there's one in Acton as well. I haven't seen it. But I actually like this one better. It was created by our own Joseph Vaughn. Our speaker needs no introduction here. He's Granbury School District Teacher of the Year, 22-23 school year. He is a Marine. He's a Master Gunnery Sergeant. He's a man of God. And he's an auto mechanic shop teacher. And he's a father and a husband and so many other things. And Mike, we are just honored to have you as part of this congregation. And so Mike, just come right on. He's the husband of our children's pastor and one of our faithful ministers in the house to children. Well, I, I would like to start out by saying something equally as important when we're going to talk about Father's Day. Uh, and that is, without mothers, there would be no fathers. So <laughs> pandering is not lost on me. So leave it up for the mothers, too. <clears throat> so normally I, I normally I teach the kids church and this is uh this is the first time that I've ever done a uh preached a sermon and uh the Lord I was struggling all week. Oh, thank you, Pastor Allen, thank you, Pastor Greg, for your just encouraging me all week long and all week long and I know that there was prayers going on for me because I felt it. Um and this Holy Spirit brought to me uh, we're all children of God. So w- welcome to Kids Church. I'm right at home. Right? So the, so the Gen kids, they're a lot taller than, than I remember. They're taller. Right? Uh, so I, I, I thought about how to title this, and the Lord brought it to me, and, and this just simply made sense to me uh, from a father's perspective. That's how finding victory through coming in dead last. Uh, being a father is just a, uh, it's just a selfless job, and it's a very fulfilling job. Okay, so before I get started, we're talking about fathers and men. I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page. <laughs> I know exactly what I'm talking about. No questions there? Okay, if we need any further clarification, there it is right there. So God created man in his own image, the image of God. He created them male and female. He created them, period, end of story. Amen. Okay, and so uh, we are celebrating Father's Day today, but we're not celebrating Father's Day today. I celebrate Father's Day every day. Because my heavenly father is with me and by me and for me and will not leave me nor forsake me every single day. So happy Father's Day again. So one of my, my father's birthday was yesterday and he, he passed away five years ago. So it's been very, very hard for me. Um, but I remember a story when I, when I was asked to come and do this. I thought, well, I preach a sermon. I don't know, you know. I just don't know. Well, that's good. I don't know. But God knows. And uh, he just flooded me with memories of when I was a child. And one of my fondest memories was uh, in the summer, my bicycle, and I'm out in the street. And Dad walks out. And the next thing I know, he pulls a wrench out of his back pocket and begins to crank my training wheels off my bicycle. To which I very subtly responded with, 
But here's the thing. My father knew that if you get the training wheels off, that bike ride is so much better. You can lean and you can zoom faster and you can go a lot more places and do a lot more things. So get them off. Did my father know I was going to trip and fall down and skin my knee and bust my elbow? He absolutely did. But you, you got to fall down. And every time I fell down, who was there to pick me up? My father was there to pick me back up and stand me up and try it again. And in life, our Heavenly Father is there to pick you up every time you fall down. It's easy to be safe. It's easy to hide and keep on your training wheels and don't stretch out and don't go any further. But you're safe. You won't fall over. At least I won't get hurt. What a boring bike ride. What a boring bike ride. So we'll get rid of the training wheels. And we need to celebrate like more than just fathers on Father's Day. We should celebrate. We should celebrate teachers. Everyone's a teacher. We should celebrate pastors. What about coaches? What about friends? We should celebrate those that are just friends, our good friends, and that are there for us and love us and care for us and encourage me and edify me. Yes, I'm talking to you, Mr. Williams. Yes, sir. Absolutely. We should honor all of these people today. Okay, so I started to think about what, what it means to be a man. Because there are some men in here that aren't fathers. Maybe you're not a father. yet. Maybe you're a teenager and you're not a father. Good for you. That's a good thing. <clears throat> and, if I'm, and if you're an older father, I thought, well, how am I going to tell an older father anything about being a father? They've been there. They've done that. They got the world's greatest dad t-shirt to prove it. But I don't read my Bible one time and then say, all right, I already read that. No, you read it again and again and again. And so even older fathers need to be reminded, hey, I'm straying away a little bit. I have lost I have forgotten my first love. I should go back to my first love. Because life in the enemy is trying to take me away from what's really important. And so in the Marine Corps, I I, I refer a lot of things to the Marine Corps because I've been doing three decades in the Marine Corps. It's kind of been my identity, and uh, they beat that enemy pretty good. Um, But there's 14 leadership traits that every Marine has to learn. And I started looking at the leadership traits one time, and I started cross-pollinating them. I'm like, these, why, do, why do these make you a good leader? Bearing, courage, discipline, decisiveness, endurance, enthusiasm, initiative. You have to have integrity. You have to have good judgment, justice, knowledge, loyalty, tact, and unselfishness. Those are all 14. That's what makes a good leader. I think I said discipline, and I'm surprised the Marine in the room didn't correct me and say, no, no, it's dependability and decisiveness, not discipline. What about those characteristics for a dad? What about those? They make you a great leader. Would Would those alone make you a good father? Just those 14? Maybe you're a great leader. Does that make you a good father? Does that make you a good man? How about these? How about love? Joy. Peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. How about those? What if you combined them all? I don't think there's a person on this planet that you wouldn't be able to touch. There's not a heart you would not be able to touch and a heart you would be able to influence. Not one. So I thought about, let me get a few things together that I think would 
would show what I think would be a good example of a father. And so the first one I came up with was a protector and a provider. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Ouch. That's truth. Uh, Isaiah 58, 7. It is not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out when you see the naked that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh. To provide and to protect. And now for the third time, and this is Paul getting ready to go on third, third trip. For the third time, I'm ready to come to you. And I will not be burdensome to you. He didn't want them to house him, worry about feeding him. For I don't seek yours, but I seek you. For the children not not lay up for the parents, but the parents should lay up for their children. So I had a pretty good provider when I was a, when I was a child. My uh, my little brother and I, when we were ten, it was ten and eight. My my mom left us uh, and just took off, and so my father had to he had to be everything. Um, and my little brother and I got a paper route. And uh, I don't know if anybody's had a paper route, but that's, uh, that's the worst job on planet Earth. I don't know how they got away with letting child labor. Uh, I don't know how they got away with it for so long. We had a paper route. And we would get up at 5 o'clock in the morning at 10 and 8 years old. And not a single morning went by that we didn't hear the sizzling of a fried egg and a hand-grated potato. And he would just make us some hash browns and make us an egg. And we would sit and eat together. And he would back out of the driveway and go to work. And my brother and I, we would pedal with all of our might, pedaling four or 500 pounds of papers to the other end of the neighborhood to throw them out and deliver them before we came back, got ourselves showered and dressed, and went to school. Uh, and then when my father got home, it was dark by the time he got home. So uh, what was he providing for me? We, we had a home. We had food every morning. He never missed a morning. He never, ever did not feed us in the morning. And he always came home. He always came home. He provided for our souls. He provided for our spirits. And he protected us from ourselves. He also provided us with a good work ethic and a good way to start your life with responsibility. I've also said that the best thing that my father ever did for me was when he did absolutely nothing for me. So I made some really, really unwise decisions and ended up living on the streets. This was before I joined the Marine Corps. And uh, I called him all the time, um, just needing some money. I need some help. I'm hungry. I don't have anywhere to go. Uh, and so he asked me, what are you doing? Well, I'm trying to get a job working in a children's bookstore, stacking books on the shelf for $5 an hour or something. He would say, well, you let me know how that works out for you. But I love you, son. Take care. Hangs up. <laughs> so I didn't find out till a long time later. My mom told me, my stepmom, so when I talk about my mom, my stepmom, they my father got remarried, and they were together for 30-plus years. My mom told me a lot later on down the road, said, do you, know, do you know your father hardly slept for two months? For two months, he hardly slept because he just worried 
all the time, but he was absolutely not going to throw me a lifeline and pull me in and enable bad decision-making. Figure it out. So I don't know if he provided for me after I joined the Marine Corps, but I know he did. Because the minute I went down to the recruiting office, I tried to sleep in the recruiting station because I didn't have anywhere to go. I, I walked in, hey, we want to show you all these videos, and the Marine Corps is this, that, and the other, and I don't care. I just need a place to sleep and food to eat. I don't care. I'll say, whatever you want me to sign. I don't want to watch your videos. I'm ready to sign. And can I sleep in your office tonight? I'll take out the garbage and vacuum and clean. We can't do that. Uh, but the minute I called my father, and he said, what are you doing? And I said, I just enlisted in the United States Marine Corps today. He left work at 5 p.m. and drove from Phoenix, Arizona to San Diego, California, to pick me up off the streets and drive me home. How much more is God willing to protect and provide for us? I mean, if God is for me, no one can stand against me. No one can stand against you. God is for you. God provides for you. Okay, a teacher and a role model. Uh, this is another aspect, I think, that makes a, a well-rounded dad. If you're a teacher and you're a role model. Now, you can be that without having to be uh, a father at all. Proverbs 1.8 says, My son, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother. Proverbs 22.6, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Preston, you got that? All right. <laughs> this is something that I've always told my Marines, and this is something that I constantly tell the high school kids. Never underestimate your ability to influence another person. I don't care what your job is. I don't care what your station is. I don't care how old you are. Never underestimate your ability to influence another person. That's positively or negatively. There's a billboard, there's another billboard in Acton that I find that I feel is far more important than the goofy billboard with this catcher's mitt face on it. There's one that has a there's a pretty young girl on there, and her name is Molly. And it says Molly's Challenge. It says spread ten words of positivity a day. That's Molly's challenge. Because there are people out there that did not realize that they had the ability to influence Molly in the wrong way. And now she's no longer with us. So who's your role model? Just take a minute and think that, that. Who is your role model? My brother, my brother. I'm pretty tight with my brother. And I remember my father when he was here. I remember all the things that he did for me. I know who my role model is. Jesus Christ is my role model. Jesus Christ is my role model. This young man on the right, the, little, the short guy there on the right. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> Every teacher in Granbury Independent School District knows that child by name. Every one of them does, all the way down to the elementary school. He is now locked on and has a job with Schottenkirk Automotive Group and is going to start working with them soon. Now, this year was his senior year, and a lot of teachers will come to me and say, it's not going to be good today. It's not going to be good today. I got him. I got him. Well... He's a senior this year, two weeks before the school's ending, and he's getting ultra squirrely. 
And the teachers are warning me, he is way, way ultra squirrely now, way worse than he was. So he comes into my class. I take him in the back room and close the door. It wasn't the first time I took him in the back room and closed the door. And I asked him, son, what is your deal? What is the issue with you? And he said, it's not an issue. I'm just going to fail this year. I'm going to fail school so that I don't graduate. I thought, what on earth are you doing? 13 years you've been in school. You've got two weeks to go. Why on earth would you fail school now? And then that's when he started crying. And I hadn't seen any emotion in this kid ever. He just started crying. And he said, because if I graduate, I will never be able to see you and Mr. Klein again. And you're the only fathers I ever had in my entire life. Wow. So... Does he know what a carburetor is? I, 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 who cares? <laughs> who cares? My, that whole school year is a success, as far as I'm concerned. Yes. As far as I'm concerned, that whole school year is a success. And so um, being a role model is very important. And don't underestimate your ability to influence someone, and it doesn't matter what you're doing now. That goes for the young kids in here, too. Your words matter. They matter. Why not use your tongue for good? Why not, why, not, why not put words out that matter to someone else? Why do you tell people that? Why do you tell her her hair looks nice? Because it looks nice. Why wouldn't I? Why do you hug that kid? Because that might be the only kid, hug that that kid gets all day. Because when he goes home, he doesn't have any parents. Or his parents are too busy. Okay, so this is generally, okay, and then that's every day with him. That's, that's how it is normally. So I caught him on a good day on the first picture. Okay. This one's tough. This one is tough. It's easy in the Marine Corps. I can discipline Marine all day long, all day long. The hardest people to discipline are sitting over there. Those are the hard ones to do. Because someone just took a hold of my heart and tore it into pieces. So disciplinarian literally means to teach. Discipline means to teach or to train. So we're just being a teacher again. We're just doing it with a stick instead of a carrot. He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. And I'm going to tell you right now, my dad loved me a lot. (laughs) I know for a fact that he loved me a lot. I got marks to prove it. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. It's not a child's fault they're foolish. They're born that way. You've got to beat that out. The rod of correction, you've got to use that to drive it out of their heart. If you tell a child to go play in the freeway, they will. So we talk about the rod of correction, but Ephesians 6, 4 is very clear. And you fathers, do not provoke, provoke your children to anger. What does that say? I'm not disciplining my child because I hate my child. I'm not disciplining my child because I'm mad at my child. I'm disciplining my child because I love my child. And I'm driving the the foolishness out of your heart. Bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects. The Lord just told me, don't push that button anymore. Don't do that. (laughs) He'll kill the whole slideshow. Just as a father... The son in whom he delights. We're going to get corrected. 
we're going to get corrected. Oh, we saw the yellow light going off. We feel that, mm, I don't really know. And we decided to do it anyway. That didn't work out very well for my family. And one particular decision that we made did not. That was the father correcting us, saying, this is going to be painful right here. But when, I'm, when you're all done, you're going to get corrected. You're going to learn something. You're going to get a lot wiser here after this. And it's not, we didn't, I don't think he wanted us to go through that. The Lord corrects all of us. We all need correcting. We all need to discipline our children. We all need to be disciplined. The Lord's not without that himself. How much did it break the Lord's heart to put his own son up on a cross and watch that go down? I don't, I don't think that was very easy. And he was doing that because we're the ones that were making mistakes. I'm going to go. I'm going to tell you one last story before we get to nurturing, comforting on discipline. On discipline, okay? I got to do it. Sorry. So my son Preston was born in Florida, and when he was two, we got orders back to California. The Marine Corps moved me back to California uh, after he was two. So about by the around the time Preston was four years old. Well, just a little four-year-old guy. Katie and I went to Home Depot uh, to do some shopping. And we went down the wood aisle. And the little four-year-old guy found the little dowel section where they keep the little dowels all staged. And he pulled out a dowel, and he said, started swinging it around the store. He was like three musketeers with that thing. And then he started smacking it on the ground, just slicing the wind. And said, Daddy, this is a whipper stick, Daddy. This is a whipper stick for whippings. This is when I get spankings when I do wrong. <laughs> and he, like, he was loud. And I thought, Yeah, well, hey, guy, hey, no, sir, we keep that at the house, you know, that's ours. About that time, a young California couple pushing their car came by, and the look of horror on their faces. <laughs> And I thought, oh, man, I'm going to jail. (laughs) It's over. And this is no kidding. Right behind the young couple, a little bit older of a couple, World War II veteran hat on. He and his wife out shopping. Both of them looked over at us and said, (laughs) said, we're all right. We're good. We're doing the right thing. And my dad always used to say, hey, this is going to hurt you way more than it's going to hurt me. Right? You heard that? I'm like, Dad, have you ever experienced one of your spankings? Like, they're not pleasant. I never understood that until I had my children and you got a discipline. It breaks your heart. It breaks your heart. So we stay on the straight and narrow because we don't want to break the Lord's heart. Okay, nurturer and a comforter. Uh, this one doesn't, this one seems more motherly, I would think. Nurturer and comforter. But men are called to be nurturers. Men are called to comfort. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Romans 1.20 says, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his external power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Well, Father, I don't need to nurture my kids. I don't need to comfort my kids. That's mom's job. I'm just here to be the hammer. Everybody knows what that is. That is an emperor penguin. 
and that's a male emperor penguin. And underneath his backside there on top his feet, that looks to me like that's an egg. So I would say, yes, God's invisible attributes. God made it known to us. There it is right there. You want God to show you whether or not you want you should be a nurturer or a dad? It's right there. It's right there. That's good. The mother, did you know that a mother, fema, a female uh, emperor penguin, I guess she would be an empress penguin, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. When they lay an egg, they haven't eaten for two months. They go without eating for two months to produce an egg. And then when the egg is produced, that's why the dad has it, because mom's like, peace, Audi, I'm out of here. I got to go eat. And then all the female penguins leave. And so I'm sure you've seen it on TV with them all huddled together, and they set the egg on their feet so it doesn't touch the ice, and they sit and they stay through the entire Antarctic winter. They sit and stay and nurture that egg until it's ready to hatch, until mom comes back. Then they go eat. So... It's, it's in God's creation. It's right there. Okay, this one's tough, tough, tough. <clears throat> a good father and a good man would be patient and forgiving. A good leader would be. A good mentor, a good teacher, a good pastor. Patient and forgiving. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. Jonah 4.2. So he prayed to the Lord, and said, Lord, was this not what I said when I was still in my country? If you remember the story, the Lord told him, go to Nineveh. No, I'm not going, because I know what you're going to do. You're going to be nice to them, and I don't like them. They're not good people, and forget them. They should punish. They should burn. Therefore, I fled to Tarshish, and I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness. Who here is glad that the Lord is slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness? I know I do, because I'd have been a smoking hole a long time ago if he wasn't. One who relents from doing harm, he relents from it. He doesn't want to. We make him. We make him do it. A quick-tempered man acts foolishly, and a man of wicked intentions is hated. This one strikes home with me. Really, 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 really loudly. Very loudly. A quick-tempered man acts foolishly. I don't know how many times I've lost my temper. And when I look back on it, I always say the same thing. I was stupid. I probably should have just stayed calm. Calmer heads will always prevail. The Lord said that a long, long time ago. I was asked by the panel that got together for the whole voting for the teacher of the year thing which I think is pretty amazing because I went into school year just trying to make it to the end with two new teachers that I had to train in my third year. And I'm like, I'm the new guy, and now I'm training people already. Like, I, Lord, Lord, I just want to get through the school year. And so I was just faithful to the Lord, and all kinds of things are happening now that I had no intentions of. But during the panel... They asked a lot of questions before they made the decision of who they were going to vote for. And uh, the question was from one panel member said, I watch you in the hallways at the school and I watch you walk around. And you never walk past a student or a teacher or a staff member or an administrator. You never walk past anyone without changing, diverting your course and going and talking to them, saying hello. I see a, hug, I see a hugging students. 
Why do you do that when everyone else is just getting from point A to point B? It's a very busy day as a teacher. It's very, very busy. Why do you do that? And the answer came like a bolt of lightning because it was already living in my heart anyway. Well, I'm a Christian, and that literally means to be Christ-like. So if we're going to sit here and you're going to tell me that if Jesus Christ was walking the halls of Granbury High School, there isn't a single soul he would walk past without stopping and loving on and caring for. Not one. And so I guess I'm just trying to be more like him. They also asked me, what's the best part of teaching? It's the kids. They also asked me, what's the worst part of teaching? And I quickly answered, it's kids. (laughs) That's why you got to be patient and forgiving. Even Jesus said, come, let us go to the other side for a minute. I just need to take a breather. He didn't stay over there, though. Never stayed over there. Staff days come. That's the teacher's, we're going over the other side because we just need a minute. But he always comes back. Always come back. And then discerning and wise. And so the father of the righteous will greatly rejoice, and he who begets a wise child will delight in him. So we know Solomon, I'm going to delight in my child. He's going to be rich. He's going to be famous. No. No. Solomon was already rich. Solomon was already famous. Solomon was asked by God, we want. He could have any, he could ask for anything. That's the brass ring right there. Could ask for anything. And Solomon simply said, I'll take wisdom. I'll take wisdom. That's what I want. And that's what I want from my children. I want them to be wise. I want them to make wise decisions. I want them to be discerning. I want them to think before they do and think before they act. Because that's what the Lord says. And I will delight in him. Then God said to Solomon, because this was in your heart, and you have not asked riches or wealth or honor or the life of your enemies, nor have you asked long life, but have asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself, that you may judge my people over whom I have made you king. This, this is probably the easiest for me to neglect especially in a Marine Corps, when I was in a Marine Corps environment, go, 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 go. You're getting pulled in a million different directions. So, yeah, yeah, I'm too busy protecting and providing and teaching and disciplining. What about this one? What about being a spiritual leader? This might be the last one on my list, but I think this is the first and foremost and the most important one. Put it last for a reason. Lord, the Lord directed me to put that one last. End up with this. This is it. If you're not a spiritual leader, all else is lost. Eternal truths. I read this once. Eternal truths are most effectively learned in the loving environment of a God-fearing home. Eternal truths, which I like to call the truth. We're living in a world, and for the youngsters in here, this is a tough time to live right now. Tough time for you to live right now. Because you're going to hear things like, well, what's your truth? I don't know. What's my truth? Well, that's their truth. Well, that doesn't matter because that's really her truth or that's his truth. There is the truth, period, with a capital T. 
The truth also happens to be the way and the life. And no one goes to the Father but by him. How hard is it to be a spiritual leader? I don't know. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up, when you're on your way to school, when you're at the gas station, when you're at Walmart. Why can't you speak them all the time? There's millions and millions of opportunities to speak to your children about eternal truths. It's out there every day. It's out there every day. And in Mark, Jesus just reads it the same. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. If you remember the story, this is when they're trying to trap Jesus again because the Jews held 600 and 613 plus laws. So which commandment's the most important? Well, you can't really say that. That upset, that will upset the religious leaders. What do you mean which one's the most important? You got to abide by all of them. They're all the same. So they asked Jesus, which one's the most important commandment? Trying to trick him, trying to trick him and trap him. What does he say? He quotes Deuteronomy, which is just like him. This is the first commandment, and the second is like this. And this is the one that resonates with me. You love your neighbor as you love yourself. There is no other commandment greater than those. It is not hard to be a good dad. It's not hard to be a good teacher or a good role model or a good leader. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then love everybody else around you and love them more than yourself. Put yourself last, dead last, and you will have a fruitful life. What is your legacy? One generation shall praise your works, Lord, to another and shall declare your mighty acts. You want to be the generation that has that go away, disappear? I don't think the Lord's word's going anywhere. That's pretty clear right there. That is clear. One generation will praise the Lord's works and will share it with the next one and the next one and the next one. If there was ever a time in the world right now, and certainly in our country, that we need a spiritual awakening and we need to be spiritual leaders, and we need to leave a spiritual legacy, the time is now. The time is now. The harvest is in. The fields are many, and the workers are few. Get up and get out. Get the training wheels off. Get them off. Step out. I'm here all week long. All week long wasn't for prayer. My, My beloved church... And everyone around behind behind the scenes praying for me. And I'm praying. And the Lord answered those prayers. Because the whole time the enemy, psh, 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 you're not going to be able to do this. You're going to be too nervous. You don't know what to say. You're never going to do it. You're never going to do it. You're never going to do it. Well, you know what? This is what I say to the enemy. Here I am. Here I am. The Lord is almighty. This is all God's work. Now it's time for us to take our turn, and it's time for us to go to work. Woe, woe, woe to us if someone goes and they don't know the Lord 
and there was an opportunity for you to t- stop and talk to them, shame on us for that. We don't allow that. So get up, get your training wheels off, and go start loving people, and go start telling them about Jesus everywhere you go, no matter what you're doing all the time. And as we're standing and listening to this, um, think about making room. If we could all just pray, I'll close this in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for being who you are. Lord, we love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We want to make room for you, Lord. Give us the strength and the courage to remove our training wheels. Give us the strength and courage to go out into the fields, to harvest, to tell everyone about you that we can find, everyone we see. Help us to be discerning, to be able to hear the Spirit as we're walking and we hear that small voice of the Spirit say, that guy right there, that person right there, go talk to that person right there. Go tell that person about me right there. Just do it. Just do it, Lord. Just help us. Help us to have the courage to do it. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to come and speak today. I just love these people so much, Lord. I love this church. And I love you, Lord. Lord, I want you to find, talk to me. Help me, help me find a way to make even more room for you so that I can do whatever you want to. In Jesus' name, we all said, Amen. Charles Francis Adams was a 19th century political figure and a diplomat, kept a diary. Charles Francis Adams made an entry that read, quote, went fishing with my son today. Day wasted. His son, Brooks Adams, he also had a diary. And Brooks Adams' diary is still in existence today. And his son made an entry on the same day and it read, Today I went fishing with my father. This was the most wonderful day of my life. The father thought that he was wasting time with his son and the son thought that it was an investment in time. The only way to tell the difference between wasting and investing is to look at one's purpose in life and judge accordingly. And I hope you never view investing time in your children's life as a waste. Here is where I lay it down Every burden, every crown This is my surrender This is my surrender Here is where I lay it down Every lie and every doubt This is my surrender
This is my surrender. This is my surrender. Here is where I lay it down. Every lie and every doubt. This is my surrender. of fathers. He teaches our children. He's married to our children's pastor. Thank you so much. Man, that's good. There's some men here that may need to apologize to their children. May the Lord give you grace to do that. God knows I raised my children on my knees begging for their forgiveness. 
because I messed up so many times. Well, I'll lose their respect. Well, you think faking it's going to keep it? <laughs> We're talking about regaining respect. So the Lord do that. And then all of us need to bless our children, speak well of them, lay your hands on them. In a practicing Jewish home, they will bless their children every Shabbat, every Friday evening. They'll lay a hand on them and speak the ironic blessing over them and speak well of their future. People, people need affirmation. And maybe you don't have it to give because you didn't get it and you actually don't need it. You learn to function it. Well, everybody's not like you. And so quote the word, read the scripture over your children. The Lord is your shepherd. You shall not have any lack. The Lord's going to lead you. Just do that. Can we just do that right now? Let's just lay hands on her, on your chest. Put a hand on someone near you, a child or a father or a mother. This is, this is a word for all parents. And repeat after me. The Lord bless you and keep you. Bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. And be gracious to you. And be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And give you his peace. Give you his peace. Peace that's based on Calvary's conquest. Peace based on Calvary's conquest. And not on human compromise. Not on human compromise. Lord, as we go from this place, we pray, Lord, you would show us who to speak blessings over. Lord, help us to speak blessings to our fathers if they're still alive. Blessings to our children and our grandchildren, our daughters and our sons. God bless you. Go get them, tigers. <laughs>